There have been moments in our lives when we have experienced the inexpressible. Moments when words cannot fully describe to others what we're sensing. Moments that simply touch the heart, well, those are easier. We have words to explain our emotions, hold diagrams and charts to choose the feelings that we're having. Moments that touch our minds, those are easier to describe too. We have words to convey our thoughts and discoveries and aha moments to others. But then there are those moments that awaken something deeper within us, a sense of wonder that is deeper than just our hearts or our minds, our our feelings or our thoughts. And when we try to explain those experiences to people, we can't do it justice. A breathtaking sunset or sunrise, a magnificent vista overlooking a natural wonder, a piece of music or work of art that washes over you and fills you, a look into the eyes of another person whose humanity you are seeing for the first time. Try to describe those to someone with words, and we can't find the right ones. Try to take a picture or a video, and it's just not the same. So we say to others, you just had to be there. These are not just moments of the heart, or the mind, or the body. These are moments that maybe only artists and musicians can convey, because in these moments, words and photos seem inadequate. You ever had a moment like this? These are moments of the soul. Of the five areas of life with which Jesus called us to love, it is the soul that is the most mysterious to fully understand. Feelings, thoughts, and actions, we understand. But the soul is one of those words whose definition varies from person to person, and even culture to culture. Most of the time nowadays, we hear about the soul in relation to the body as that eternal part of us that rises to heaven after we die. In 1901, a scientist named Duncan McDougall set out to measure the actual weight of a person's soul. He monitored six patients very close to death from a terminal disease. And as they were dying, he placed them on a large scale. And then at the exact moment that they died, he noted the drop in their body weight, surmising that it was precisely then that their souls left their bodies. He noted that on average, the bodies dropped 21 grams when they died. So he concluded that your soul, my soul, weighs exactly 21 grams. Not surprisingly, his research has since been debunked. Besides, that is not what the ancient Hebrews in the Old Testament meant by soul. And that is not what the Greeks in the New Testament meant by soul. So that is not what Jesus meant when we should love God with all our soul. To put it in the purest and simplest way, the soul is the wonder of being alive. In the Hebrew, The word for soul is nephesh, which is connected to the word throat, which is the Hebrew mindset of describing the doorway to life. It is the pathway through which we take our first breath, out of which we sing out for joy, into which we receive the delight of food and drink, and through which we speak into the world around us. In the Greek, the word for soul is psyche, related to the mind, which for the Greeks was the control center of our lives. 
It is what controls our breathing, our speaking, and our behavior. It is the center of who we are. Your soul is not simply some ether that departs from your body after you die. It is the essence of your being, the part of you that is moved in ways that cannot always be put into words, the part of you that is awakened when something inspires you and motivates you. It's the zone in which you find your groove and your passion and and your flow, just like in that beautiful Pixar film titled Soul. The soul is what gets awakened when time seems to stand still and moments seem to last forever. But the soul is also the part of you that is most troubled when words cannot convey the suffering you're experiencing. The part of you that can feel like you are wandering in the dark even though the sun is shining outside. The part of you that feels lost when nothing you do seems to find yourself. That is your soul too. All the inexpressible joys and irrepressible sorrows. And all this, friends, is where God belongs. A wonderful Christian mystic, Meister Eckhart said, there is a lonely edge to our lives that can only be filled by God. The psalmist said, as the deer pants for water, there's the throat image, so my soul longs after you. And the most famous psalm of all reminds us that God alone leads us beside still waters. God restores our soul. There's a lonely edge to our lives, beyond the horizon of heart and mind and strength, deeper than mere feelings and thoughts and actions that can only be filled by God. Which means it cannot be filled by power or prestige or by possessions. That's what the fellow in the parable of Jesus found out. You cannot find your soul in stuff. You cannot find your soul in trophy rooms or storage closets or shopping malls. You cannot even find your soul in Best Buy. I will confess that you may find me in Best Buy, but I will not find my soul there, and you won't find yours either. You will not find your soul by building bigger storage units to store more and more things. Your soul will not be reflected in the thickness of your wallet or the digits in your portfolio. And when the man in today's scripture reading thought he had discovered his soul in his stuff, he tried to talk to his soul, only to discover that he couldn't. The man said in verse 19, I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. So how can you find your soul? And more importantly, how do you love God with your soul? Well, if the soul is the lonely edge of our lives that only God can fill, then it means immersing yourself in experiences that are beyond the reach of your heart and mind. You love God with your soul when you immerse yourself in moments of beauty and wonder. That can happen, of course, in worship, when you acknowledge the awesome presence of God in you and around you, and you lift your soul in praise in ways that your heart and your mind 
cannot express. You can also love God with your soul when you leave the pursuit of earthly ambitions and immerse yourself in wonders that you did not create. The stillness of a sunset or the burst of a sunrise, a canopy of trees, the vast expanse of sky, or studying the the ribs of a single leaf, or the intricate patterns and lines in your own hand, or even the sound of your own breath. No wonder the hymn writer said, be still my soul, for God is on your side. You love God with your soul when you get outside yourself and you love and serve others. When you do an act of compassion or mercy for someone in need, like when you, when you serve in open arms, which will continue to be on the Hyde Park campus just across the street at our Magnolia building and patio. You love God with your soul when, in the words of Victor Hugo's Les Miserables, to love another person is to see the face of God. And you love God with your soul even in the difficult and uncomfortable moments, like when you sit in silence with the grief of someone who is hurting, or when you look into the eyes of someone with whom you are in conflict and see that their soul is as worthy and as human as yours. In each of these moments, you know that you are loving God with your soul when you cannot find the words or the images to convey what you are experiencing. And again, if you want super practical ways to love God with our soul, that's why we created the daily activity cards. Day by day, we continue to build our trellis, our rule of life that early Christian communities sought through daily spiritual activities, just like a a trellis that eventually becomes the invisible structure that upholds the beauty of life as God intends it. Our daily activity cards this week will teach us how to love God, not just with our whole heart, but with our whole soul. We gave away all our decks last week, but we basically doubled our reprint order, and they will be here next Sunday. So in the meantime, subscribe to the digital version on hydeparkumc.org slash daily emails until you can get a deck for your family. So if you're looking for additional ways to love God with your soul, Look at the cards, and one that I will highlight for you is this Tuesday, day 10. The reading is from Hebrews 4, 9 to 11, and the subject is observing Sabbath rest and renewal. The activity is to create a space in your home and time to relax and make it a daily part of your routine. That may become a plank that you make a permanent part of your trellis, after this series is over. In 2008, the world lost a beautiful man named John O'Donohue. He was a spiritual writer who specialized in Celtic Christianity. Much of my thoughts on the soul today are rooted in his writings. In his book, Walking in Wonder, he offers this stirring blessing that evokes the beauty of a soul that is open to the love of God which I offer for the closing prayer for this sermon. It's titled, Four Presents. Awaken to the mystery of being here and enter the quiet immensity of your own presence. Have joy and peace in the temple of your senses. Receive encouragement when new frontiers beckon. Respond to the call of your gift 
and the courage to follow its path. Let the flame of anger free you of all falsity. May warmth of heart keep your presence aflame. May anxiety never linger about you. May your outer dignity mirror an inner dignity of soul. Take time to celebrate the quiet miracles that seek no attention. Be consoled in the secret symmetry of your soul. May you experience each day as a sacred gift woven around the heart of wonder. And let all God's people say, Amen.